another edition of the Unicorns Podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, if you're anything like me, you've probably experimented with a few different sets of headphones over the years, whether it's for listening to music or movies or phone calls or for work. Headphones come in all shapes and sizes and quality. There's a company listed on the ASX called Audira, stock code AUA, which is taking headphone technology to a whole new level. It's a health tech business and an assistive listening device that uses a special algorithm to personalize sound to individual listeners. In fact, Audira makes the world's only full-fidelity headphones with a built-in hearing test. The founder and CEO of Audira is James Fielding, and he joins me on The Unicorns today. G'day, James. How are you going? Thanks for having me. Well, how did Audira get started, and how did you get involved in the business? I was introduced to my co-founder at the time while I was doing MBA studies in medical school. I'm a medical doctor by trade and was lucky enough to get a scholarship to do an MBA at the same time. And Mm -hmm. the goal was to come out and fix the public health system. And one of the areas that we saw that needed some help was people having access to their hearing health information. There are quite a few surgical interventions, ENT, what have you, where getting a hearing test is quite important. Wait times were too long. It shouldn't be that hard for people to get access to this information. So we thought, let's make a set of headphones that can do hearing tests. And then when we looked at what that problem was actually solving, we wanted to go a little bit deeper. And so we thought, let's not just show people some numbers on a screen that don't mean much. Let's Hmm. give them an experience that's going to change their behavior and get them to realize how their hearing is affecting their life. So the system went from some clever headphones that go beep to a set of headphones that you put on, you do the test, we show you what your hearing profile is like, and then by personalizing your sound, we've completely transformed your experience and you're getting the best possible outcome And then there was no turning back. And so that was in 2016, we kicked that off. I stopped working as a doctor in the hospital and then we just went all guns blazing into making Odira a reality. And so when you were doing your medical studies, I I bet you had no idea that um, coming out at the end of all of your study, that this is what you'd probably end up doing. No, neither did my wife or my parents (laughs) or any of my friends or family or anything like that. But it had always been more than medicine. So so I come from a very medical family. Both my parents are doctors, grandpa's a doctor, aunts and uncles doctors, all that. I've got all that legacy piece, but it was always going to be a bit broader because I had some other key influences in my life. Like my grandma is a very um, exceptional businesswoman running her own businesses at age 90. She still goes to work every Wednesday. And really? it was going to be, let's take a look, let's explore, let's see what else is out there. So I actually had a pretty eclectic education experience where I did a business degree and a science degree. I worked in a casino. I worked in a movie production house. I worked in a hedge fund in New York for a while. And then when I came back to medicine, 
I wasn't a 20-year-old kid who'd come straight out of high school and yep. decided they wanted to be a doctor. I was a 25-year-old who'd lived in New York for six months, worked with Harvey Weinstein, run around, you know, lived a bit of life so that I could approach That's a whole other world, story. Isn't it? James. Yes, that's a whole other podcast. We, and we so might leave that one <laughs> to a separate yeah, conversation. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, I was able to look at the world through a wider lens, which is what earned me the right to do that MBA piece as well, because I saw that there was more to it. And it was, how do we help as many people as possible? And as naff as that sounds, that's mm. what I it's what I do now. And we ended up starting five companies when I left medical school. And we were just trying to solve as many problems as we could get our hands on. And they started as projects, but we turned them into yep. companies and we built them out. And then when we made this transition from test to music, it combined my two greatest passions of medicine and music into one mm. job. And mm. um, there was nothing I could do to, to stop it at that point. Um, yeah. And so I was very fortunate to have that support where my wife said, okay, go get them. And my parents said, yep go get them. And that was that. I asked the seed investors, look, if you can pay me what they pay me to be a junior doctor so I can feed my daughter, then I'll, yep. I'll leave and I'll come and make this all work. Get into it. And so we did. Yeah. So do you think as a, as a medical professional, that hearing is one of those things that a lot of people just put off, maybe a bit like going to the dentist or, oh, you know, I, I probably should get it checked, but it's, you know, it's not hurting me. It's not really affecting my life, whereas probably they don't understand the significance that poor hearing could have on their um, their livelihood. Yeah, that, it's absolutely right. And it's from both sides of the coin. So from a medical professional's point of view, it's fairly low on the list. From a walking around town point of view, the stats can vary a bit, but the average is seven years from someone being told they should do something about their hearing to taking any action. And that's, really? where we, that's where we come in. There's stigma, there's issues, there's problems. The thing that people don't tend to put enough emphasis on is the slow change in hearing. It's not like if your vision changes and all of a sudden, if you lost vision in one eye, you're solving that problem. If you can't see the TV, if you can't see the whiteboard at school, you're solving that problem. Hearing is fairly insidious and it's often overlooked in kids as well. And the yes. big one which yes. got me out of bed and got me very excited about a lot of this is this understanding that hearing loss is an old person problem and we get it. You get old, you go deaf and grandma and you grandma get a probably aid or wear a hearing aids, but they don't. And it's a bit annoying yeah. and you wish they'd wear them at Christmas, but they won't. And that's a bit frustrating. <laughs> but it's one in five put your teenagers hearing aid too. Yeah. yeah, put your ears on if you want to talk to me, right? Mm. And mm. the bit that is getting left out are the millions of people under the age of 60 who have identified hearing loss, who don't take any action because hearing loss is an old person problem. And we mm. run screening tests at schools. We run around. One in five teenagers have an identifiable hearing loss that, if corrected, would improve their quality of life and their education. And it's really? getting put off and put off and put off. And we're really proud to be part of the change, which is saying it's not about fixing something that's wrong with you. 
It's about ensuring you're getting the most out of your life and you mm. shouldn't feel embarrassed for wanting to be part of the conversation. You shouldn't yes. feel embarrassed for not missing what your loved ones, your colleagues, the TV, whatever, is trying to tell you. Why should you be embarrassed about getting the most out of your life? And it's something that hearing is catching up to glasses. I mean, when we were little, the, about, the dorky four-eyes like, kid, like, right? Yeah, it's like not if, a thing anymore. If your vision starts to go slowly or quickly, you will know. You go, yep. oh, I need to get my eyes checked. Um, it's probably not like how do you know if your hearing is deteriorating? Because your wife eventually grabs you by the ear and drags <laughs> you into an audiologist and says, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> Fix this problem. <laughs> or your son or your daughter do it. But it's also it's a big link in behavioral issues with kids as well. This mm -hmm. idea that oh, maybe they're a bit naughty and, you know, ADHD gets thrown around like wildfire at the moment. Right. And something that yeah, was really yeah. interesting in COVID is when you take the kind of class clown, disruptive kid that's not really paying too much attention, finds it a bit hard to hear in class, might not engage as much as you like, and you plonk them in a home education environment with a set of headphones in front of a computer where the teacher has direct access to them, those kids are flourishing. Mm. And it's raised yeah, a really, a really great spotlight on where does hearing sit in the mix? Because we do screenings as newborns, and you do some pretty basic screening in kind of grade one, but that's yes. it. The next time mm. you'll do a hearing test is probably when you're sixty, or if you go off to a mine site. It's yeah. not something <laughs> that's part of our conversation. And behavioural issues may well be that you just can't hear. And mm. so if you can't hear properly in that environment, you're not getting the most out of it. And where we've come into the fall recently is by focusing on entertainment, by focusing on the headphone experience, you know, I'm, I'm using them now, talking to you, obviously. It's mm. this Zoom call piece. It's this phone call piece. It's watching TV. It's watching movies. It's homeschooling. It's all that kind of stuff, which people really underestimate the value of and we're saying, hey, you should be doing something about this. You can have an incredible experience and you deserve an incredible experience regardless of what your hearing is like. And in doing that, it's a gateway. We talk about it kind of being a gateway drug to a hearing aid because mm. people don't want to wear hearing aids still. And until I can figure out a way to crack that stigma, which we're chipping away at day by day, it's very easy to convince someone to use headphones because as you said we use headphones all the time so if you use a headphone that's actually going to tailor to your needs it's your first step to paying mm. attention it's your first step to realizing what your improvement could be and people are seeing the value in that so tell us about ordira uh, and the business more broadly uh the size the scale the operation and uh, the uh, the listing process, which um, I understand was in May. So we kicked off 2015. We rolled through. We hit the boards in May 18 of this year on the back of a pivot from consumer 
where we did a Kickstarter campaign in 2018, launched. It was very exciting. Made 100 grand on day one, sold a few thousand pieces, shipped to 60 countries. Super exciting. Then we yep. earned the right to secure the supply agreement with Hearing Australia, who are the government provider of yes. hearing health services. Yep. And that's when we just pinned our ears back and said, we are finally come full circle, a hearing health company. We provide our product to audiology clinics and the NDIS. So Mm. we serve people actively seeking a solution. And that started in 2019. And then there was that virus thing that happened in 2020, which changed some stuff. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. People still talk about it. And it's... That was a massive shift for us because we actually tripled our clinic footprint. So we went from being around 200 clinics in Australia to now we're closer to 750 and, you know, we're ever growing, which is very exciting and, you know, announceable shortly, et cetera. But that piece over 2020 gave us a lot of confidence to say, hey, we're really onto something here and we're doing mm. big B2B relationships with international and government players which is a very strong foundation and we've got about 20 people main office here in Brisbane we've got a head of sales in the US we've got some tech guys in Melbourne and WA and we've got the majority of the Australian market coming on board which is very exciting and we've got the US kicking off so yeah nice we've got our relationships with that and that's really given us the confidence and the strength to say hey we want to hit the boards we think we've got something really worth attacking here and that yeah. funding has let us double the team it's let us get Good. our stock in line and get ready to go was that a big decision deciding to go public and and putting it on the ASX Yeah, it was, but it was one of those things that occurred over a fairly long time because of the tumultuous nature of what was going on in the market. So there was talk of March last year and then, you know, the world changed a little bit. And Mm. then there was talk of maybe October and then there were, what, 160 IPOs in a three-week period or something. So the world went a little (laughs) bit nuts. And so the the experienced hands at Morgan said, guys, timing's just not right. Let's wait and, you know, give you a bit of breathing space. And so we pushed it back and then we hit the boards. So over that time, I'd been able to come to grips with what the changes would be like and reached out to a lot of people and really, you know, surrounded ourselves with some seasoned professionals, a new CFO, a co-sec, new directors. We had the great help from the guys at Morgan's. You know, we had we had enough preparation time. Essentially, I did two prospectuses and three audits, you know, because we had a few false starts. So by the time we actually got ready to go, um, to be honest, I was a little bit over it because mm. we'd, <laughs> done, we'd done all the important bits we'd gotten ourselves ready we'd lined up all of our ducks and we'd got kind of the funding commitments and the road shows and that kind of stuff so by the time we actually rung the bell i was just itching to get on with it yeah and we did you know we just yeah we just got stuck in and made the hires and and did the growing and landed the contracts and we still are so it's and are you happy with how things have gone are you happy oh, with yeah. how things have gone since um, since you went public? Yeah, as as a company, absolutely. I always wish share prices higher, and you know it's linked to my family's future and all of our shareholders who've invested in us. So I obviously want the share price 
to be as high as it can be to reflect the value we offer. Yep. But as a company and what we're looking at, yeah, I'm thrilled. It gave mm-hmm. us the resource and it also gave us a lot of the publicity and credibility which has given us some thought leadership positions and mm. it does it does change how people view the stability and maturity of your organization and mm. it led to opening doors that i think otherwise would have stayed closed a bit longer so who are your customers our customers are audiology clinics so the place you go to get your hearing tested and have a conversation about, do I want hearing aids or not? What else can help me? How does that work? There's six big players that rule that world. And we're currently stocked in four of them here in Australia. I've got a couple more to go. And those same players are the big players in the US. So we've got a distribution partner in the US to do what we do here in Australia at 20 times the scale. So, In Australia, there's about 1,500 clinics, depending how you you cut them, some visiting sites, whatever. Some say it's 3,000 sites, but we use 1,500. And in the US, every conversation I have, they've got three to 5,000 clinics on their books. You know, okay. and it's that's the scale we're going after to do what we do really well here, which is sell an assistive listening device into an audiology clinic for a person who needs help with their Zoom calls, watching their TV, experiencing their music better, on top of a hearing aid, on top of a cochlea, we work as an accompaniment to boost their revenue stream and cut down their time to customer acquisition. So that seven-year gap doesn't exist for headphones. So Mm -hmm. instead of someone coming in going, oh, look, I'm not quite ready for a hearing aid, they say, well, if you're not quite ready for a hearing aid, here's an incredible solution. And the person goes, yeah, I'm in. And so we support those clinics and in doing so, it's a really strong business model that we're then going to expand internationally, next point of call, US. So James, how does your technology work? We essentially focus on the bit that I think matters when it comes to headphones, which is what you can actually hear. There's a lot of talk about noise cancelling and transducers and armatures and plastic and codex and all this stuff we focus on can you hear what your headphone is trying to play for you and either you do that yourself in your living room sit down with an app can you hear the beep yes or no you turn the beep down until it's the quietest beep you think you can hear and then you go to the next frequency. And I think about it like keys on a piano. So we start at the really low bass notes. Can you hear that one? And then we go right up to the super high ones. Can you hear those ones? And at the end, we know what your hearing is like in those headphones. And from that point on, all the sound produced by the headphone is tailored to your specific needs. And you just treat them like normal headphones. So I'm talking to you now on my laptop. I compare to my phone. I compare to my TV when I get home. So we do all the smart stuff so that the actual user of the product doesn't have to think about it. And what roughly, well, how much do they they cost? So they're $4.99 for the TV bundle, which is a $3.49 headphone 
plus 150 for the TV adapter. And that's the product that's predominantly sold through the audiology clinic because there's a few key government funding schemes for TV assistive devices. So there's hearing services program, there's Department of Veterans Affairs, and there's the NDIS that fully cover the cost of our headphones. So the end user of our product is zero out of pocket to receive our product, which is pretty And so how would uh, an end customer, a punter sitting on the lounge, know that they have an Ordera product uh, in their house? So we actually manufacture the headphones ourselves and they are Ordera branded. We make the hardware. We are the headphone that is sitting there. It's branded. It's connected to your TV and you either bought it from our website or you went into an audiology clinic and they said, we have these incredible Ordera headphones. You should buy them. Yeah, okay. So it's not as if you can rock into, you know, JB Hi-Fi at the moment and go, hey, give us some of those Ordera headphones. <laughs> not yet. No, that's that's <laughs> not our play. We want to yep. we want to play where we can win. And on JB yep. Hi-Fi, we're one headphone against a thousand and all they want to talk about is battery life. And yep. in an audiology clinic, we're one headphone against one, if any. There are some mm. clinics where we're mm. the only non-hearing aid product that they offer. And it gives us an incredible competitive advantage in a really strong niche. It's very smart. Um, I was going to ask about competition. Is there anyone else out there globally that you know of that is that is in the same market trying to do the same sort of thing? There are players who are looking at personalised sound. There's yes. a few, I mean, there's one in Melbourne, really great company called Neurart, but they're very much focused on music for consumers. It's okay. less focused on a pure health play. There are a few people, there's one out of Israel, there's one out of Germany that are focusing on this personalised sound piece. But when it comes to being stocked in the clinics and partnering and focusing on those relationships, that's our edge. Our edge yep. is where we've earned the right to play because they try and make headphones that sound really good, which is awesome, but we've taken a very different business approach to where we're going to promote our products. And so if you look at your product range at the moment, what does that consist of? So we've got our first product to market, the AO1, and it comes with a BT01 transceiver, so the one bundle, and we've got our next product entering certification now, getting ready to go, which adapts for the needs of people with dexterity issues or cognitive impairment issues. So it's an easier product to use from an interface. The engine is better. It's the latest Bluetooth. It's all those great things that, you know, product adaptations need to be. But the focus on this next product is around really meeting the needs of our target demographic and then we're starting to look at some very sexy SKUs that I can't quite tell you about yet. Oh, very, come on. very excited. Come about. on. Well, in my perspective, <laughs> I did use words like R and D underway with orchestral musicians and things like that. So I think I've okay. released I've released that publicly. So we're working with some world class musicians around a protective style piece and becoming healthy headphones for musicians, healthy headphones for kids, healthy headphones for gaming. All these things are on our potential roadmap. They're just yep. not um, They're not ready for release yet. I want to see you as like the Steve Jobs up there on stage with, you know, the black 
turtleneck and you know doing <laughs> bringing I, out. I, I prefer the three piece with a tie clip, but yeah, me too. <laughs> I absolutely want to be that guy walking around and just telling people this incredible new tech we've dropped. And mm. yeah, if it was six months ago, I would have. But now my yeah. tongue is tied, so yes, you'll have to wait until it's publicly You've got the, announced. The disclosure. Uh, restrictions being a public company, yes. Yeah, that's right. I've got to play by all these new rules. So um, let's, with with that in mind, then, um, if we have investors listening to this podcast, what's the what's the blue sky for them? They're probably listening to this, going, "Okay, this is. I'm glad I've invested." Um, you know, what's ahead? What's sort of the next twelve months, two years, sort of five years looking like in 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 the market? So we finished the job here in Australia, which means essentially doubling our clinic numbers and driving sales through those clinics harder. So there's a lot of growth left here in Australia. We haven't even really touched the NDIS. We do it very passively and there's 400,000 NDIS participants that can get our headphones for free. There's 120,000 DVA golds who can get our headphones for free. And there's a lot of room left to go in Australia. But then, as you said, we're kicking into the US and it's, you know, somewhere between 10 to 20 times the size, depending how you're looking at it. And a group like Amplifon, who we've got a really great relationship with, they've got 400 sites in Australia. They've got 11,000 sites globally. So mm. as we look at the next 12 months, we're finishing the job in Australia and we're pushing into the US. And if you look at the next two to three years, we've expanded that with those big partners to Blue Sky be the number one non-hearing aid product sold in hearing aid centers globally. That's that's the push. We want to be the person that is helping these clinics and we want it to be every clinic on the planet, which is a lot of growth. And then we get to play <laughs> outside of the clinical area where we adapt our tech into all of those future uh, those future applications. So it's the same core. It's always hearing health tech. It's always focused on personalization. It's always focused on safety and protection, all those good things. But we're expanding outside the clinical realm so that in five years' time, you know, you've, you're seeing headphones used across the world that have Aldera tech in them. And mm. that's that's the part that we get up at 5 a.m. to make those calls and stay up till midnight making those calls because we just couldn't be more excited to see how we're going to get that to market as soon as effectively as possible. Well, James, it's been great catching up with you today. Fantastic to hear the the story of Ordera and what's planned for the years ahead. Thanks for coming on to the podcast and we wish you all the very best for the future. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity and talk to you soon.